Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Sonic Talk, the music technology and um, kind of stuff podcast. Uh, that's a terrible tagline. I should have thought about that before I opened my mouth. But honestly, it's really worth watching. If you've never seen this before, please stay tuned. There's lots of great stuff we're going to be talking about to do with uh, the world of music production and electronic music and all kinds of other things as well. Uh, I would like to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, of course, Isotope, uh, who will be uh, dishing out prizes and competitions later on in the show. Stay tuned if you're interested in... Uh, well, stay tuned anyway. But uh, Break Tweaker is up for grabs, and we've got last week's winner. So uh, it might be you. You never know that. I think that's a Camelot um, um, line. I should probably not say that. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll crack on. Uh, we've got a couple of guests here. We haven't seen either of them for a while. One uh, a lot longer than other. This is Mr. Dave Robinson from Pro Sound News Europe, who is uh, somewhere in central London in the massive... Pro Sound New Europe Towers block that I no doubt uh, no, no doubt has with the glass elevator and a helipad. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and uh, in fact, I'm sitting in a jacuzzi right now. Ah, so it's a jacuzzi. Excellent. I, I, that Ooh. I will call. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> How are you, Dave? Uh, I'm all right. Actually, just before you... Um, uh, just before we started, there was a, an email went around to say that the, uh, the, we have a door... We have a, a, a sort of a, a door that opens automatically, like a bank vault door, and it's just gone down again. So you can't get out. Well, no, we can, but have, they have somebody has to sort of open it manually. You don't. It's no good sort of pressing the button. Someone actually has to sort of come and do something with it. And it's as soon as they fixed it, as soon as they they built it, you you just knew that it was going to fail every so often because it because these things do. Yeah, you know. Well, let's hope. Let's has. hope there's not a fire. I mean, because that would be. Well, <laughs> that seems a little bit of a, exactly. a perhaps a, a, a poor. Well, maybe you will be get leaving via the helipad today. Then that would well, be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you never know. Or the what are they garbage shoot? So Dave Robinson, I'm um, just should quickly say uh, Dave Robinson, of course, uh, Pro Sound News Europe, uh, which is B two B sound reinforcement studio equipment. How would just give us the give us the tagline for the your it's, publication? It's a news based and feature based title for the entire pro audio industry. So that's uh, live sound studios, installed sound, um, broadcast sound, all those things. There it and, is. Uh, yeah. We don't, we're, we're like a grown-up sound on sound, if you like. Oh, we don't, people well, are, that's, da- dang, that's dangerous talk, isn't it? That is quite I dangerous. Have, I, have all, I have utter respect for sound on sound, I should say that. Well, we, do, we don't do reviews, so we're not like... Um, so it's a new, yeah, it's a news and kind yeah. of... Yeah. It's all about news and features and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Dave, uh, very pleased to have you aboard. Thank you very much yeah, for well, coming it's on. Been, it's been, must have been a year at least. It has, well, I had to reactivate my Skype account. <laughs> So uh, that's yeah. just how long it's been. Amazing. I'm 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 amazed that we've managed to get you here with so little technical. Uh, but your bandwidth is fabulous. You're looking very uh, so little technical knowledge on my part. There you go. It's all me. Uh, and of course, we have Mr. Robbie Bronneman. Um, Robbie is uh, not in his usual synth cave. It looks like he's at some remote studio recording location. Is that an electronic drum kit back there? That I see there, Robbie. It is. Yeah, I'm working. I'm. I'm producing the new out al- the fourth solo album for Phil Collins' son Simon Collins. Right. Okay. He's got a problem called Sound of Contact, but we're working on a solo album. So I'm in the wilds of Devon, working away with him on that. So he's very kindly stepped out for an hour while I do this. Well, that's very that's very kind of him. And so Robbie, of course, yeah. uh, as well as doing studio production, all those side of things is. Uh, 
Howard Jones, MD, uh, does other production, film composing, composing the picture, all of those things. So are you working on your remote system at the moment? I am, yeah. I think I sent you a picture of it. I don't know if, if anyone will be interested. Uh, I've got I, a great remote system working. Um, yeah, based around the um, yeah the Apollo Twin. I've got oh, I've got my new da 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 da. da. Ah, is that a f- Kilpatrick Phenol? Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it looks like oh. it could be a lot of fun for a kind of very advanced version of that thing you play at school fates where you've got to move the wire, uh, the, the little hook, and then the bell mustn't yeah. go off. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, all the banana cables that come with it are pretty much all the same length. And I would say, if you're thinking about getting one of these, you definitely need to order some banana cables because it only comes with 10, and that's not, not enough for man or beast. So um, get 20 of them, and then you can kind of really get some good stuff going. But it's brilliant. It's, I think it's probably the most complete introduction into Euro rack if you don't want to buy a Euro rack system. Wow, that's saying something as well. So, um, what's been happening this week? It's been, uh, it's quite bizarre because summer sort of as we know generally it's quite slow the news kind of you know you've got to eke out stuff and then suddenly it's just got like blam we've got tons of it and this week is no um well it's it's no different so i'm going to start with a video i shot at bpm How actually uh, i'm the product manager for the seaboard ride from a company called roly from east london uh it's a 25 key controller that we uh, are releasing just as of october the 9th it's going to be the first expressive MIDI Bluetooth uh, controller on the market, 599 pounds. And it's really something that is uh, sort of the first of its kind for this price range. Uh, we have. I'm not going to play all of that. I mean, for those of you who perhaps don't know, the Roly Seaboard, uh, we've seen it, the Seaboard Grand, and the sort of further up, it's a kind of multi multi-dimensional touch polyphonic expression system and i know that uh, robbie has uh, succumbed and has found uh, a, a use for it ah you so you've got the uh, what's that is that a 49 key what's that it's, it's the three octave yeah whatever that is it's a studio but, ah. but I, I put an order in for one of those already have you it's very interesting, yeah. isn't it? They seem to have got that form factor right. One of the things that's very cool about it with those extra faders and the ability to have very quickly turn down all of the uh, sensitivity in the dimensions that perhaps you're not immediately familiar with, you can actually play it more like a traditional keyboard, although, of course, it's not a traditional keyboard. It's a touch surface, and it's got an unusual feel to it. But I think that's something that you could perhaps get used to. I know, Dave Robinson, you were kind of keen to talk about this as well. Did you go to the actual launch? And uh, I was at the launch, yeah, um, uh, the other night. What did you take away from that experience, apart from a hangover, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was very impressed. Let's put it this way: um, Roly strike me as a keyboard, uh, as a company that, uh, and again, this is talking more on the sort of professional level rather than the actual what the keyboard does. But they keep getting this investment. They employ something like sixty people. They've got a very swanky office in in uh, Dalston which is the classic sort of white space as you walk in. And, uh, yeah, it's all very funky. And um, I've got a good friend of mine who used to work at Akai and before that at TL Audio who works there. So, um, yeah, it's an intriguing company because they, they keep attracting investment. So, yeah, this is something that's puzzled me slightly because it's yeah, not, not mass product yet. Or this maybe is uh, the mass product. 
Well, this is the mass product, but it's still five nine nine dollars, which which is going to be well a street price. I'm not sure what it'll be in this country. Two nine nine, maybe three nine nine. But um, Roland Lamb, who's the head of the company, um, he's in the news a lot. They they get uh, into the mainstream press for um, for being an innovative, forward-thinking uh, UK-based company. Um, and you wonder, well, uh, who's buying this stuff? And the 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 Seaboard Grand is two and a half. Yeah, it's expensive. It's, they're expensive products, definitely. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and it and well, it's three not. Right, three octaves, fifteen hundred. Yeah. Okay. Right. And okay. there's five five octaves, just over two, and then you've got a massive jump to five for the eight octaves. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I've seen some of these online demos and. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I've been sceptical. And then what I saw the other night for the two-octave version with the controllers, um, I saw a very convincing demo with three guys playing live, well, a whole mixture of musical styles, um, including, you know, some real cutting-edge dubstep and then some techno-y stuff. And, um, you know, I was, quite, I was quite convinced that uh, there is something in there but I wouldn't have said it was. I was. I was surprised by the price. Yeah. Well, again, it's, it's, early early adopters will take it on, and that price will drop as these things always do. But um, it's not cheap. I, I, well, it's not cheap. I I I get the impression from talking, uh, you know, having an off the record chat with somebody there that um, the technology, the sort of three dimensional control technology, is something that you could apply to say medical. Uh, operations to something that could be done uh, in in a different sphere. So it's a transferable technology, right? So maybe that that's w- the yeah. Once it, yeah, once it reaches a sort of tipping point with the company, then they can go. Well, actually, you could use the same code, and you could put it into um, uh, uh, so, something else where sort of three D control door lock keypads. Um, it, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, in, in the same way as. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of, a, of, a, of an example. 3D audio is, it's all right having it in big cinemas, but if you can get that in the home uh, for the consumer market, then you're going to make a lot more money from, yeah. from that yeah, sure. than you would. Um, from and of us. course, there's a sort of that trick. Yeah, well, yeah. So there's that kind of trickle down or, tr- or sort of trickle across, I guess, that, that sort of move into a, a, new, a new vertical. And I think that's, that's where it will ultimately. Uh, make mm. most of the money. I mean, uh, you know, this is all speculative, but you, you uh, it, it looks great, but I just wonder how many people are, yeah. are actually buying it and how much, how many they're actually selling to be able to sustain a company of 60 people and then yeah, get more well, money being thrown exactly. into it before somebody says, I, well, actually, I don't know any, I don't know anybody who's really got one or, or, or well, really I, uses I, it. Actually, you should say I that. Am, can I just say, oh, actually, yeah. just to say, I am a fan but you know, I've got. To, uh, uh, but I'm also a skeptic yeah. in the longer term. Unless the well, longer term, it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> See, I've been on for so long. I just want to speak. You can't stop. Unless, unless <laughs> the longer term is producing revenue from something uh, elsewhere. other than yeah. yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Right. Well, we do now have we do have an owner here um, of yeah. the technology. Uh, I mean, one thing I found, I, I played with it a little bit, and I think because they've changed the profile of the keys, they've made them slightly um, chamfered. Uh, I'll come back to me. So, so there's a bit more of a kind of feel. But the one thing that I noticed, and this was something that I hadn't realised, is that the 
black keys and the white keys effectively what are as it's laid out if you play between two white keys and not on a black key you're still playing the black key and that's the thing i found a little bit hard to to adapt to i mean have you found adapting to using that technique because i'm guessing it must be very much the same for the the version you've got right well i mean i I know the difference is with the rise it's got i think i think it's got a flattened top on the top of the top of the black keys yeah and you've got that white line which kind of gives you more of an indication of where the orientation of the white of the black keys is i mean i found that as i think i've said before that the first couple of weeks i had it um naturally i kept wanting to put my fingers fell between the ridges kind of in 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 the troughs as it were which is the exact opposite of what you want yes and i think everything i did kind of sounded like a sick cow <laughs> in that everything was everything was really kind of sort of off key and sort of just sounded like a wrong sample rate kind of vibe but i mean i've put the work in now and i've spent quite a lot of time online watching watching people like jordan rudess give some tutorials on it and i've spent quite a lot of time kind of practicing the technique and I'm really loving it now for all sorts of things. We've used it two or three times for major parts already on this album. I mean, I love it for, it's amazing for expressive lead lines, but I've been using it for um, creating movement within bass lines, which is great, for being able to do slides between notes and stuff. Before, you'd have had to draw on painstakingly ramps of pitch bend and all that kind of stuff. And you can do all that stuff so much more fluidly with using the, with, with using the seaboard. So... I'm excited about the little one because I think, like you say, with those extra controls, I'm always, I was always a little bit frustrated that there isn't anything on the seaboard at all apart from the keyboard and the dial. Yeah. And there wasn't even active up and down buttons or anything like that. And I think with those added controls and that XY pad, I think you'll be able to kind of implement it in a kind of a much broader sense. So, and, it's, and, and they're built, I mean... Uh, yeah, it's it's, it is nicely so, built. The Seaboard the, the Grand range, they're built by hand in Dalston. And when you, when you actually play one of them and you, you realise what a, it's an amazing object in terms of the, the, the design and in terms of the engineering. And I think the Rise has been mass-produced, but they're trying to keep that same kind of quality um, about it. So I think I have a fit. And they're also they're doing an offer where they're, they're, um, they're doing a special price for any Seaboard owners right. to get a Rise. But I, th- I think that I think that it will find its place because it's about the same kind of price. Well, maybe a bit more than if you're going to plump for like one of the top end native instruments keyboards. Yeah. And I think if you're looking for something a little bit different, you're looking to challenge yourself a bit differently. I think it will probably find a really good place in most a lot of studios. So. No, I think that's a very valid point, and um, uh, the, because you can quickly turn down the sensitivity, you can use it for triggering drums and things. How do you? How are you incorporating it? Are you, because the difference between this and the studio and the grand is it doesn't have the built-in. It has the the, the uh, what's the, the equator synth, but not right. in hardware. No, you does. get no, it doesn't have it built into the actual hardware. It has it as a software. Oh, right. it, so yeah. Rise doesn't right. have the actual embedded synth, whereas the other ones do. So. Um, but what are you playing to get that expressivity? How are you having to set that up? Because I think that's the thing well, that people are finding challenging. There's a little, there's a little app that they've got which kind of interfaces between the keyboard and and software. So I've been setting up um, stuff with Omnisphere using multiple, you know, copy and pasting multiple um, sounds within a multi and doing that. Um, and I've been using I've been using Equator a lot as well. I haven't actually used it. 
funny enough, I haven't. I, I was excited by the idea of it having a standalone synth effectively built in. But so far, I've still been using it with the Equator um, software directly running within Logic. Right. And it's, it's, it works brilliantly. I can record everything directly into Logic, um, manipulate everything back. And, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see that Equator software expanded, perhaps with some other interesting engines, like some granular stuff and things like that. And I think they'll really be onto a killer thing then. I was flipping through some of the presets because it has actually got, uh, uh, this Ryzen's got preset switches as well, so you can flip around. And that that's yeah. also very useful. I think the thing that... Uh, um, that some people are not sure about it has bluetooth midi but you can also use usb midi as well you don't have to use and from what i saw uh and for it does it felt very responsive because i was playing one and I, I and i didn't actually realize that it was using the bluetooth midi so that was something that you know that the the latency i'm guessing you know the caveat is you probably need the latest um os and what have you and certainly on the mac side i don't know about the pc to to, to take advantage and possibly hardware to take advantage of the new low latency bluetooth which probably has to have the specific chip in the device rather than old an ipad one or you know an old macbook or something like that um did you I get sorry yeah i was just gonna say one more thing i mean it's like it's it, it's fair to say obviously we've seen we've gone from 5000 to 2000 to 1500 for the grands and then 600 or whatever it is, $700 for this, I think that's a quite a massive leap down in terms of price. And um, I guess the more successful the company are, the more likely that we may see something that's slightly more accessible again. Yeah, absolutely. When they, when they can recoup some of their investment. Absolutely. Dave, did you play one at the launch? Did you actually play uh, it? No, I... Uh, they had a room where you could go and have a fiddle about, but um, all the sort of booths were, were, were busy with... Uh, yeah, there were other people in the queue. Ah, what well, you didn't so, get? You didn't get past the velvet rope. Uh, Good Lord. <laughs> Everybody got past the velvet rope. It was the one uh, with with diamond um, with crystals and uh, platinum. The Swarovski yeah, that's, that's, rope. That, that, yeah, that's the problem. Um, you know, and again, I wouldn't have wanted to. The, the demo was very good. I wouldn't have wanted to show off my chops and uh, and be ejected. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, um, and uh, I, I think I think you're right. Um, the, the price will come down, given yeah. it, given it uh, that the sales continue to happen. Yeah, and then you'll see the, the street price. Obviously, will be something that's uh, that is the one to watch. But um, we'll see. It's an we'll see. instrument isn't it? as well. It's made about it's made of milled aluminium again. This this the, the rise. I mean, it's expensive materials. I guess you know yeah. there is a case for a a more, you know, modest kind of implementation at some stage. Yeah, well, we'll see. But, I mean, it feels like a big step forward and, and bringing it down at least into the roughly the realms. So I think the the uh, contact um, uh, control 25 key was was something like 399 or 499 UK pounds, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't cheap, uh, and that's only a 25 key. So, you know, obviously it's a different thing and has different levels of integration. The other thing that was very interesting about this, uh, and this was something that Manon said, is uh, a lot of audio development it uses a C++ framework called Juice, which uh, is something that I think the guy behind... Um, they bought that. Traction. That, yes, they bought it. So now... They bought it, Juice. It, exactly. So now he said it's a very simple matter if you're compiling your audio software. Says, I mean, he said, I don't know whether this is true, rough, about 50% of applications... Um, plugins and instruments are developed using the Juice framework, and it's a 
click box to basically integrate MPE into it, which is going to mean that we're going to see, hopefully, for them anyway, a, a much wider adoption of this kind of technology. And I'm guessing things like the Linstrument and what have you, I don't know if they use MPE in the same format. I would guess uh, Roger Lynn, being a fan of standards, is likely to be uh, using similar um, techniques as what have you. So, you know, maybe this is something that's going to, just by force of of adoption and availability is going to, we're going to start seeing. And that's a good thing. I mean, because, I mean, the keyboard is a keyboard. You don't really get many advances in terms of keyboard technology because we're so used to, you know, it has to be a certain way for people to understand it. And this will require a bit of a change. I mean, some, obviously something like the instrument is very different. It's more guitar um, type layout. So it's easier for guitarists to understand. And the hack and continuum is its own thing which is going to take, you know, however long. And it's and, and that is an expensive instrument as well, but people do swear by that too. Okay, um, what's the time? Oh, let's do, uh, uh, let's let's get our uh, ad and uh, competition. So this is the point in the show where we um, discuss, uh, well, we don't discuss, I play an ad by our sponsor and then I tell you who won the competition. It's really straightforward. Let's see if the ad will play because in the Sonic State bingo, this is one of the squares that you need to uh, play. There it is. There we go, Brave. Designed by BT and developed by Isotope, Break Tweaker is not just a drum machine. It's a drum machine sculpting, a drum sculpting and beat sequencing environment that blurs the line between rhythm and melody. You can give your beats evolving depth that gets better the longer they play. It uses rhythmic slicing to drive everything from pitch melodic lines to sweeping rhythmic overtures. You can top it all off with one of the best drum sample libraries in existence. Uh, curated by BT, Isotope and top producers, explore a new era of rhythmic possibilities with this forward thinking and forward sounding instrument and uh, you know it is capable of some amazing stuff the depth of synthesis in terms of drums and sample playback actually is really really powerful so as ever with all isotope products uh, isotope.com forward slash break tweaker you get a 10 day demo obviously you're not going to get all the sound libraries with that but you should be able to figure out whether or not it's something that's going to work for you. And, of course, we do have a competition. Um, last week, we asked you to tweet out uh, Break Tweaker and Ultimate Beats, the two hashtags. And we have a winner in the form of a chap called Fuzulu. Uh, which is F-U-Z-U-L-U, as you would expect it to be pronounced. Uh, he has won uh, a copy of Break Tweaker. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, obviously that his Twitter handle is at Fuzulu. If you can get in touch with us, then we can pass your details on to the Isotope Fairy, who will bestow this gift upon you, and, you're, and you'll be able to then download all the packs and, and whatever it is that, uh, that you require to run this on your very own unlimited fashion, and it's yours to keep. So thank you very much for entering. We also have... Uh, Another competition, as Isotope are extremely generous, we're giving away yet another copy of Break Tweaker. And this time, uh, you need to be on Twitter, as we've said before. You need to tweet the hashtag microedits, all one word, and Break Tweaker, all one word, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Now, uh, doing that will enter you automatically for the competition. Obviously, you've got 140 characters in uh, Twitter, so please do pop something else in there. We know that both, well, both ourselves and Isotope will, in fact, monitor this. So if you've got any messages or just support or any of that stuff, put it in there. So remember, micro, hashtag micro edits, one word, and the hashtag break tweaker to enter the competition to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And once again, we thank Isotope for the continued sponsorship of the show. Very much appreciated. Ah, right. Okay. We can't avoid this. This is just one of those things that we have to talk about. And I'll see if I can fast forward it. You can guess what it is. This is the iPad Pro, the massive iPad, um, which is the brand new, and uh, uh, and the stylus, which has been called the pencil because it's obviously something that Apple have invented. 
Um, so there we are. I'm a little bit cynical about this because it, it it's uh, you know that as Apple do in many ways, and I don't. And this is a rare skill, I suppose, is taking existing technology that perhaps hasn't been widely adopted and tinkering with it until it kind of appeals to a more mass market, and then you know doing well with it. Obviously, the iPad Pro. I don't know. Um, Dave, you're a you're a, a, a metropolitan guy. Are you are you a, a man ram- with a tablet? Are you a man with a tablet? Are you an iPad kind of guy, or are you? Uh... Well, I, I haven't uh, resisted. Sorry, I have resisted the temptation so far. I, I use uh, Apple Macs all the time, yeah. professionally and in publishing and everything else. So, uh, and also they're so expensive. I know this sounds a, <laughs> no, that's so very true. That's very true. So, um, I I have a, mine's a Samsung. Thing, okay. which does have a tablet. Uh, well, sorry, which does have a stylus. Um, but uh, I, d- I don't buy into the whole must-have-the Apple thing. You know, I'm a fan of Apple, but I-, I, can draw, I can draw the line. And, uh, well... No, I think um, that's fair enough. I think, I think the What th- I would say is I was, looking at the, I was looking at the specs of it, and it talks about having four inbuilt speakers and three times the acoustic output... So presumably they've just got a bigger onboard yeah. amplifier in there. I guess so, a bigger battery um, and everything, so they can run it for longer and you know power all the screen. And there's all sorts of things that it's got to offer. But my uh, again, maybe I'm just everybody go just oh, shut up, David. This is this is old news. But to me, something that says it's got Pro on it, it's not necessarily about being thinner and larger. It's about being um, better specified in terms of using it in a professional environment. So, you know, I would like to see a USB cable or something else, uh, sorry, USB connector, which we know why Apple doesn't do that. But again, it seems to be just relying on on the little smart connector or whatever it is. The yeah. little, it's, not, it's, it. not, it's not like they haven't got a whole load of real estate to put connectors on, is it? There's a whole, look, all those massively long edges. Robbie, I know that you're a, 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 an iOS user. And uh, do you think, I mean, the, the thing, the, in terms of music, I think the thing that this offers, yeah. particularly with iOS 9, is the ability for uh, A, multitasking, and B, yeah. uh, it is a much faster processor. I mean, is this something that you could see maybe integrating into your world a bit well, more? I mean, I, I use the iPad every day in the studio and my main use for the ipad is a logic can logic remote because i use it for custom sets of key commands and everything that i've set up for logic um and i use it for a few other things for riding faders occasionally um and i now use it with the with absinthe too which is it's great with that because obviously you can do all the you know do all the pad stuff um that's great and i use the occasional synth on there which I pipe in through my um, iConnect, in this case, in my portable setup, a 2 Plus, and in the main studio, a 4 Plus, and I, or a granular thing like Borderlands or something like that. I'll mess with something, and I'll, I'll bounce it back into Logic, and I'll move on. I don't have, I don't have the iPad as, a, as an integral. It's part of my system in terms of I've got synths piping in and out all the time. And I think, really, the iPad Pro, uh, like Dave says, it's a shame... But we all know why there isn't a USB-C connector, because that would have been with all the hubs that are available now. If they could have done that, then possibly you could have started thinking about if people like Ableton brought out a live a, a, a iPad version of, you know, live. You use something like that in a live situation. It may be more convenient than a laptop, um, all those kind of things. But I can see why they're trying to keep a very much a distinction, because otherwise you just kill laptop sales. 
Um, I think I think basically it's going to appeal to to illustrators and architects and people like that who will find that interface between that really kind of high resolution pencil input device. I think that will you know will benefit those type of people much more than it will necessarily benefit musicians. But having the extra real estate is always good for some of the fiddlier apps, I guess, and the power, like you say, it's quite significantly. I mean, they're making some claim, aren't they, that the power is like more powerful than eighty percent of laptops out there, or something. Yeah, well, they do, they they say that. But yeah, but I mean, you know, so I think I think it's got its place. But I won't be suddenly rushing out to trade in my iPad Air for one of these. Right. Maybe next round I might think about having one of those instead of a, you know, another one at this kind of size. But I don't think there's enough of it to make it that exciting. I think that's a, a fair point. I mean, I think the thing is, obviously, you know, uh, the, the, the the immediate comparison is, obviously, there's a Surface Pro. You know, we've got a Surface Pro 3 here, which runs a bona fide operating system that is not closed off and that has, you know, you can get i7 processors in there. And I very much doubt that the iPad Pro ha- is faster than an i7. I'd be surprised if it's much faster than an i5. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I, obviously there will be comparisons made, and the, the the notion of the pro thing, as Dave was saying, is that you know it would open up the environment, and that's just that's something that's not going to happen. But I suppose it's going to be a challenge to developers to try and think of ways to uh, to do that. But you can imagine, you know, something like this being at the heart of if you've got two or three people in a band playing synths that you know, assuming you've attached all of that extra MIDI and USB peripheral cableage to it, that could then be playing multiple instances of or at least different instances of uh instruments through the cpu so that could that could certainly possibly work and i guess uh, that's something that might appeal to some people but it, it seems like a very niche kind of advantage i suppose in terms of making music and and the idea of having all of this real screen real estate is generally speaking so that you can run multiple applications and move things around in them and that's not you know i think the thought of an ipad pro we're assuming it's massive it's actually not it's about the same size as a surface uh pro 12 inches 12 inches so it's not it's not terribly massive really so but i guess i I was just going to say the the kind of reality of it is i spoke to a couple of people the other day who are gigging musicians touring musicians a couple of drummers and they said i'd be great i'd love one of these to run ableton or whatever i can run the tracks and i don't have my you know laptop screen wobbling around all show and you know you can you can imagine it'd be great sat on top of a controller beside you running main stage standalone all those kind of things but the reality is what is that market in terms of apple's global market yeah the amount of people who really want to do that is like we again we're always in the minority well yes but i i would also i will also argue you know what if you if you take that uh, at that parallel and say well what is the market for architects or artists who want to you know that again is very small i mean it's really going to be people who think if i get one of those i'm more pro you know i mean it's pure (laughs) and simple isn't it you know which is not necessarily the case i don't think we'll dwell on it too more i think the uh i think it comes in about uh i think the bottom what's the cheapest one i think it's six nine sorry 700 700 quid yeah so you know it's a chunk of change there's other stuff you could buy they've obviously had to work hard to try and fit that in so you didn't go actually i should just buy an ipad air surely 
or whatever. But, you know, it may well have use. I think the, where the key is, because obviously with iOS 9, there's an awful lot of new capabilities coming in. So once again, it's going to take a little bit of time between the release and when the developers catch up and start using it. For, uh, for And I'm sure we will be schooled by developers who go, you know what, I've come up with some really interesting things. And we've also got that uh, force touch thing as well, which I think will make quite a big difference. And I suppose the size of the screen you know, you're going to be able to fit more controls on it. So from a synthesis point of view, it may well provide a, a better interface to, to the stuff that's kind of is small and cramped at the moment and allow more stuff on the screen. But I think that's all we'll say on the subject at the moment. Well, can uh, I just one more, just one yes. note. Is this, I've been reading a, a book called How to Predict the Unpredictable, which has proved to be a very um, entertaining read. And there's part of that is about getting shoppers to buy certain things. And... Um, if you look at the, I'm not looking at the iPad iPad Air 2. Um, the list price is 16 gig at four nine nine dollars. The 64 gig is five nine nine. The 128 gig is six nine nine. And the, the, the Apple play a sort of interesting psychology game, getting people to to buy the middle one, because if it said 32 gig for the middle one, you'd still buy it, but because you don't know how much gig you want. Well, maybe so, yeah. If it's uh, your f- it's a, it's a, seeing what they've done here is um, it's quite interesting because for the iPad Pro, you've only got two, and the second one is less than a, a $1,000. So people are going to buy that one because it's, um, it's 128 gigs. But do I need 128 gigs with, a, with an iPad? I don't know. Do I need 32 gigs? I have no idea. Well, it's got a 4K video camera, so I think that would probably fill it up pretty quickly. I mean, even at the compression rates they're probably using, so there is that. I mean, the cameras on these things are great, but, I mean, we're talking about holding something with a camera up that's, yeah. that's really massive. I mean, it already looks kind of exactly. crazy when you see tourists with, you know, uh, yeah. with, with, with an iPad iPad, but let alone a massive one, which obscures entirely your view. You can, I guess it just means when you're at a yeah, gig, popular, when you're at a gig you can just actually hold it up in front of your face and watch the gig through that, like many people do through their mobile phones, <laughs> which is a, yeah. a weird experience. But I never watch it again when they get home. Exactly. Uh, okay, right. Uh, well, the other th- next news is UAD Apollo Twin uh, for USB, USB 3. Uh, this is quite... I mean, it seems like not much, but I, I suppose the thing is, is what this now actually offers people is USB uh, 3 connectivity for an Apollo Twin, which is the, obviously Universal Audio's uh, DSP-powered uh, plugins, and it works or will. I mean, obviously, I think I think they've announced the hardware that, that you know, the final uh, drivers and what have you, because it does need a driver on Windows, will uh, be forthcoming. But the interesting thing about this is, you know, it's great that there's finally an Apollo, t- uh, people on Windows can use Apollo technology, but only Apollo Twin at the moment. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's its own thing. It doesn't work on a Mac, which is kind of interesting. I know, Robbie, you are a, a UAD user. Um, I'm using Twin here, yeah. I've got Twin here and a and Apollo, the rack one in the studio with a couple of the satellites, Thunderbolt satellites. And I, yeah, it's great because I've a number of people I know have said, oh, you know, they want to use it and, they, and they've got pre, pre-Firewire Max and they're just a bit frustrated. They haven't had an option to have anything portable that they could still use that ecosystem with for a while. So I think it was just the logical thing that this was going to happen. But it only, ru- it, it, only, yeah. it only runs on Windows which has, yeah. a, 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 but it could be boot camp if that's got USB three oh, ports. See, oh, I didn't, I didn't pick that up. So it's not, it's not even a, a, You can't use it on a Mac. No, not on a Mac OS X. 
oh okay that's a bit weird I mean, it's. I, I thought they would just have reissued a, a, a Apollo twin with both on. Would have been the sensible thing, you know, that you could use on either platform. Well, it would um, be. I mean, I think the thing is, I spoke to uh, UA today actually, and just for clarification, will it work on Bootcamp? And they said, you know, it should, because. Obviously, if you're working on a new Mac Pro, which has USB 3.0 native ports, then in Bootcamp, it's yeah. a question of just loading the driver and it'll work. Uh, where the, where it starts to get a bit blurry is you can't stack them, so you can't have more than one. You can't stack it within a Thunderbolt environment. So if you were running uh, somehow able to run both, you know, it, and it doesn't run on Mac OS X. Yeah. The problem the problem becomes obviously you know it's more like I'm a Windows user I want access to this technology you can now get access to the technology which is fab obviously um, but it's still not quite there the one thing that was interesting as we know Windows uh, we did a Windows 10 audio special with Pete Brown from uh, Microsoft and he was talking about the fact that Windows 10 are looking very hard at enabling uh, Thunderbolt. So there may well be a route that gets you to be able to run Thunderbolt hardware on a PC. But it, again, you know, it's really down to Microsoft and how they support it in the OS. But at least now, you know, one can run uh, UAD on Windows and you're not completely, you know, this is the Apollo technology you know, on, on Windows, the real-time DSP stuff, which is really impressive when you see it in use. I mean, no, Robbie, you put, do, what do you generally track through on your Apollo? Oh, yeah, I mean, I... I went to the UAD system from an Apogee Symphony system because I, I used to have like vocal channel strips in the studio. I had a couple of liquid channels and various other things. And I just loved the idea that I would be able to, well, first of all, I got an Apollo, which, which I used with my, um, uh, my Apogee system. And I used it um, just as a, as a channel strip system where I could have recallable channel strips of various different, you know, for instruments and various vocalists and stuff. And then I went went over totally to the to the UAD ecosystem because, for instance, when I'm working with Simon, I've already got a couple of channel strips, which I know work for for either soft singing or harder stuff, and I can just bring those straight back and you know carry on tracking. Or if we need to go back to a track, I can then you just load it up and spot stuff in. So I'm loving the I'm loving the fact that you've got all that ability even in a small package like the Twin. And I've got a lot of the new guitar plugins, so we're going to get a guitarist down here. And you can just play it right. Wrap stuff up. You know, it's it's a great, it, it, and and they're just the plugins. I've been using the UAD since the very first UAD one card that was Mackie. You know, when it was UAD Mackie, oh, I've yeah, been yeah. using them all for the last fifteen years. So I've I've pretty much got all the plugins, and you know, the reverbs and the plates, everything. So yeah, I can't speak more highly than I do of them. Excellent. Um, Dave, one thing I'm quite interested in is because, I mean, you work in uh, live sound reinforcement world quite a lot, you know, so you have contact with some of these people. You know, mostly, you know, there's the digi-design and the the waves racks and what have you. Are you finding people are using the UAD stuff live uh, in setups? I mean, are you seeing that being adopted for real-time processing of stuff in in Um, your world? I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, but I know it's an area that they are very keen um, in. They, they want to kind of break out of the studio because, of course, there's only so many ways you can skin a cat, that being a studio cat. Um, they'd like to have their technology in the much wider arena. Um, I'm sure I, do you know what? I'm sure recently somebody, I encountered somebody who was using it, but generally, no, it's, you see other names, which it wouldn't be, 
fair to mention here, but yeah, it's something they're working on. Uh, I mean, uh, Robbie, do you think you think yeah. what what you've got there is that something that yeah. could stand being bounced around, dropped on the floor, it, uh, you know, knocked around? I th- is it, I is think it built? Is it built for live environments? Yeah, I mean, I th- I mean, I think the UAD hardware is is you know the pedigree that they're built on as a company. Everything is incredibly well built. Um, and I think I don't see why you couldn't use like Apollo Arax or Apollo 16s to kind of, um, you know, pipe stuff in and out of a desk. I mean, I'm sure I heard recently that you can use some of the UAD cards in, in I can't remember whose live desks now. So you can actually get access to some of the UAD stuff directly within a live environment anyway. Oh, right. I'm, on the correct, I'm, yeah. wrong, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, sure, I, I think you're right. And I should know the answer to that one. And I don't. <laughs> Bad Dave. <laughs> Bad day. Yeah, but, right. I mean, when, certainly when you track through it, it's just like tracking through hardware for me. I don't have anyone who says I can notice any latency or anything. Everyone's totally happy to track through it. I think the the figures quoted on the USB three version also is at ninety six k twenty four bit or hundred sorry one hundred ninety two twenty four bit is one point one milliseconds, which is you know, now. is fairly reasonable, right? <laughs> That's like I don't, I don't know anyone who's ever done a one nine two recording. <laughs> anyway so presumably it's less anyway uh, we've got a couple more topics i definitely want to get in um i know our our chat room are very keen for us to talk about the new roland boutique stuff and then perhaps we can uh we can get on to uh there was a topic that you brought in as well dave if that's all right with you so uh this is uh video uh oh this is video four so what was video three oh i know what video three is this is video four though so this is the teaser that just came out. Uh, Roland announced yet another range of products. I mean, goodness gracious, haven't they? Haven't they got better stuff to do, like sell their existing stuff? Uh, this is basically pulling on the heritage, obviously, Jupiter 8, JX3P. Um, nice not to hear techno or dubstep in a promo uh, teaser, I must say. And then Juno 106, of course. And then it finally ends up with the new range. They're calling it the Boutique range, which looks like a, a series of three in 2015. We believe sometime in October. Here it comes, here it comes. You can't see anything, but I, I can assure you adjusting the contrast actually gives you something like this. And let's see if I can I can scroll this up and you might be able to catch it. I don't know if it'll come across because obviously that... Uh, yeah, you can't really see it there because of the, just the differences between by the time it's gone through the video processing there are actually mini keys here these are three distinct units which by implication of the above video would imply that there's something in in the in the flavor of those particular synthesizers in there now i'm guessing you know everybody's going is it going to be analog i think categorically and i don't know anything i have to say i have tried but nobody told me anything probably not it's going to be ira technology maybe that plug out kind of side of things is likely to have been leveraged to kind of create these and you know to be fair some of those plug out stuff sounds good so you know it's not all bad news obviously for some people mini keys is a nightmare but that looks more like your mc202 thing dave i know i know you know in your days at uh, future music you know you would have probably well before then probably you would have come across the these venerable old ladies of synthesis. Does this? Oh, well, ex- I was a G- big. Uh, I was a JX3P owner. Ah, okay. User for yeah, until I uh, had to sell it for um, to, to to buy rent to buy alcohol. <laughs> uh, no, I I can't remember. No, I sold it um, to buy something with it. I, I think I sold it to buy a D50 actually. Um, ah, right. But well, I, I, yeah, that, I, I've got recordings of the of the essential sounds, which are the the, uh, the sync sweep sounds and the the sync mod and the sync sweep sounds. Um, but yes, I uh, 
Roland have, um, as a company, obviously with the, with the new drum machines, the TR8 and yeah. what they've done there, they're recognizing there's a heritage that just won't go away and people want it. And no matter what other keyboards they bring out in the, in the meantime, the sort of the, uh, the Phantom, wasn't it? That was the sort of, that was one of theirs. Yeah. Um, the, there's a distinctive... There's, there's a distinctive sound and an instinctive uh, requirement to, to keep embracing what's gone before, but to look at it a different way. And I guess uh, with Korg, with their little, what they've done with their, their little... Um, the Volkers, yeah. Yeah, they've done something there. So Roland, who were, who were bought out by a big American company last year. Uh, so, you know, Kakahashi, the original head of the company is no longer there and there's been a whole change in the management. So there's been a, there's a new approach to what they do with these instruments. And somebody, I think, has said, well... Let's go. The 106. The 106 had a really great bass line. The, uh, the JX3P has, has sounds that people uh, still want. And it, what was the other one? Jupiter 8? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Which, you know, Jupiter 8 was, was Roland's response to the Oberheim. So um, it, it's, it's something that people want. And I imagine that if they price them right... They will still do very well. Sorry, and, I've just seen yeah, in the I'm chat room. Uh, the, the speculation in the chat room is it's a JP08, JX03, and a Juno06, all with mini keys and about as useful as a handbrake on a canoe. Which I like that. Uh, I like I like that analogy. But I would say, you know, I mean, because Robbie, I know you, you've you've been using uh, System One. Is that right? Have you had a play with the System One? You know, I, I was. I I didn't jump on the oh dear, this is all just virtual bandwagon because because. My my outlook on anything is, if something's good and musical, I don't really care if it's FM, additive, whatever it is, virtual. You know, it's all to do with the user interface. You know, the point in case for me is the OP1. It's not the most capable instrument, but it's a fantastic interface, and I use it time and time again. I go back to it all the time, and I'm having the same fun with the Fenal, you know, because it's just such an immediate instrument. And I, I have a feeling, like I like say, these are virtual virtual emulations of those three synths. And looking at the one on the left, it looks like there's enough sliders there that that could possibly be the, the, the Jupiter 8. Um, I mean, okay, it's mini keys, but it's, it's a, if it's a USB thing, you can just connect it up to a five-octave controller or whatever. I mean, imagine you've got that and the Juno, the Juno 106, and you can almost put three of those in a row above a keyboard and connect it to a master keyboard and have all that control of all, you know, I think they'll find their place. I think, you know, I think in a way, if that's what they are, that's probably what I was expecting. If Yamaha had bit the bit in the bullet and done a, a little, a scaled down CS80 with all the sliders, they would have sold, I don't know how, I mean, off the scale. And I think probably <laughs> these sell really well if they're a decent, you know, these, I'm going to guess 600 pounds each or something for these. Five or six hundred pounds. Okay, and that's I interesting. For all those controls, I think probably, and they're probably, I'm guessing they're probably styled exactly like the originals as well, with the same livery and the same type of buttons and all that stuff. People, people won't be able to resist that, will they? It's like sweet shop stuff. And I have to say, yeah. I mean, I will stick up for the CS. I've just because uh, I've just reviewed it and I reviewed the DX, and I was, you know, it, there's there's this thing about. Um, there's this, it's like a sort of snobbery about it. If it's small, it's not professional or it's not an instrument. And, I, I, and you know, yes, the mini keys are a pain if you want to play, even if you've got as hands as small as mine. It's down to the fact that 
the CS, and I must admit, when I first saw the demos here, uh, and we did a thing with Bert from Yamaha, I thought, yeah, you know, it's all right. I'm not that interested. But I've had it, and I've been playing with it. And as a musical instrument, it's really, really compelling. And and, and I don't say that lightly. It's got something that makes you just sit there and go, oh, actually, there's another thing. And it's one of those things that, you know, the sum of the parts, you think, oh, dear, no, this isn't going to work. But it really does. It really works. And it has... It has and I use the charisma word uh, probably way too often, but it does have some sort of charisma to it. And it's very musical. And you can just sit there and come up with a really broad range of sounds, poly and mono. And maybe, you know, that's the thing. I, I think that's good that people are... Uh, um, designers of any kind are focusing on the musical applications for anything so if roland do this yeah okay maybe it has got mini keys but as you say robbie you know if it's got mini keys but you can hook it up to something else but it has a musical application and it just makes you want to do stuff that's kind of you know and it's not noisy and hasn't got any other faults then you know why the hell not i mean but as i say i don't know anymore and i know people are probably thinking i'm in the know i really am not so i'm afraid i can't shed any light on that and I was talking a little bit earlier about this. I mean, it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't matter what the technology is because the technology now, the virtual analog, you know, analog, digital modeling, all of that stuff has got so good that you know, the differences are, you know, they are minimal. It's now generally more down to the relationship you have with the hardware. If we're talking stuff that's not a virtual instrument in software, let's discount plugins for the time being. It's down to the relationship you have with the hardware. And if you can have that relationship, like you were saying, Robbie, with the OP1 or whatever it may be, then that's the thing that is going to make yeah. you be creative. You know, the distance between your wanting to do something and it actually happening is shortened so you can be more fluent in it. And those are the things that are kind of important. So, I think there's it's a bit of a red herring to think just about you know it's cheap it can't be any good because it might be good and you know there there are things that have been good and have been legendary in the past that are toys and rubbish and on paper look crummy and you know all of those things so well we I mean were... I went the system one like I say was like a perfect example I didn't have any experience of it and I know I had that shallow key thing and all that business and it's virtual virtual analog effectively. I went around to Gaz's and, and we, you know, had it plonked on his cop, on his dining room table and I had to play with it for half an hour. And immediately I was getting great stings out of it and I thought, you know, this is a really great capable synth. Forgetting the fact that it's a virtual analogue, you know, there was, I could get around it quickly, I could find interesting sounds. The user interface was good. And I think that, like you say, is the key thing. It makes you want to, you know, dip in and make music. Yeah, has to be. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, is this sort of this sort of approach to design happening in the pro audio world with sort of live stuff? Because obviously, you know, things have to be very instinctively and immediate for for live control services, for mixing desks, those kind of things. Because we we flipped, didn't we? We flipped from all the channels in front of you to kind of one channel at a time to various different hybrids. I mean, where, is this sort of thing happening in that world a lot as well? Well, you, you're seeing you're seeing the compactness that you're seeing in these synthesizers happening. It's all about bringing the footprint yeah. as, as as they know it, down uh, so that it's taking up less room in the uh, the front of house position or in the theatre so that you can get more seats, so you can get more audience, so the promoter or the venue can make more money. Um, but what you're also seeing is that the sound engineers, they, they're used to a couple of layers, but given too many layers and they won't like it and they will look at the at the, the the minimum route to making changes because if you if you've got you know the six auxiliary you've got a speaker somewhere you've got a monitor speaker and you need to change the level on it because somebody's on stage saying can't that can't hear it 
you need to be able to do that quickly. So, so yeah, it's um, it's it's about form factor, as they say, uh, and it, but it is about it is about control. Even though digital technology obviously turned up, and in the same way as with things like the D50 and the DX7 back in the day, you you end up using the presets because you couldn't control it. Well, there were there were big desks that that required you to to move around. Um, through layers, but then there are other. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to mention certain brands, but but I know that there's there's one particular desk that somebody was talking about the other day that was far easier to use as a mixing desk in a professional environment because it was it was only a few steps away from an analog desk. And when I say steps, I mean it was you, you wrapping your head around how it worked. It felt like an analog desk without going through layers and layers and layers. And you know, human beings—they don't want to be confused in a high-pressure environment. They want to be able to um, make the changes and do things that need to be done in a hurry. So that's always going to be the way. That sort of control is always going to be the kind of way. Yeah, I think that's <coughs> excuse me, very valid yeah. point there. Right, um, we're getting towards the end of the show, and I know Dave, uh, you had uh, you've you went to, to the launch of this as well, didn't you? Which I'm just going to make sure I'm pressing the right button because obviously uh, I don't want to seem like a complete incompet- incompetent. There we go. This is a teaser. This is the only video I could find of it. This is of the Flare Audio Zero, which is is like sort of super flagship studio monitoring with what they say is uh, live concert audio quality in the uh, in the home studio. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. Um, I thought I did. Oh yeah, here we go. But I'll let this play. And interesting that they're using uh, analog oscillators, or we presume they're analog oscillators, synthesized oscillators to show the cones moving. Uh, this has now been released. Uh, it looks like this, which is pretty radical. Uh, I remember back in the day, obviously, you know, studio monitors, this was what, what people did. They create radical looking things that you would buy and have as a showpiece in your main control room that would impress, you know, the punters. So you saw this, Dave. What, what, uh, I did. What's so special about it? I mean, does it really sound amazing? Because it looks like a bunch of oil filters to me, which is quite... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I was looking for what it looked like, and you absolutely knocked it on the head. And nobody said that on the day, but uh, yeah, I mean, and that is as tall as a uh, as me. That's wow, it. so it's and big. I'm, you know, I'm far, yeah, huge. <laughs> that's a good. So I, I mean, the full height. That's a, that's a uh, yeah, five foot ten. It's a good six feet. The, the stack there. So you, the top, you've got the one inch compression driver. Then you've got five inch, and then a ten inch. And the, effectively, that is the subwoofer at the bottom. So, and it all sits there, and it, it is, it is, it's amazing. It is, it is quite the sound. Um, it uses what two technologies called space technology and vortex technology. Blimey. Now, I really don't have time to, to, uh, all the, <laughs> to go into what those are about, but it's something that, that needs to be checked out because it's, if nobody's encountered Flare Audio before, they're a small company based out the South Coast, and the guy who runs it, it's a guy called Davis, and he's trying to well what he what he succeeded in doing is is produce something that kind of ignores a lot of the traditional ways of creating acoustic reproduction and look at the physics and how the air moves and how he can reduce the distortion of the way that the speakers move backwards and forwards and this is using two technologies which you can read about which are painted one's called space technology and one's called uh, vortex technology the one the one i can describe quite easily is that the the aluminium uh, uh, frame is bonded together, yeah. So those that's aluminium um, uh, either either side, they they are bonded together under immense pressure. 
So they are effectively removing resonances or, or potential for any kind of resonance within the, the, and the actual cabinet itself. So just by holding the, the, the system together so very, so very, very tightly, um, it stops any kind of resonance because nothing can move. Ah. So, uh, yeah, so, and there's a continuation of that. Basically, and the long and short of it is, it, it is uh, by removing distortion, they increase the, and you know, I hope I don't get shot down for this, but by removing distortion, they increase the fidelity. Right. And effectively, we sat at the old Olympic Studios, which is now a cinema in West London, and heard this speaker and heard playback of, of some, uh, some quite... Steely obvious, Dan? Well, actually, no Steely Dan. No, <laughs> Nightfly? Night no, there wasn't. <laughs> there was no Donald Fagan at all. There was, no uh, there was no ACDC. There was no Back in Black. There was, uh, there was no... Um, what's the other one? Um, uh, Santana. Uh, none of that. There was, the, current, there was car the Carpenters doing Calling Occupants. And there was the uh, remastered version of War of the Worlds by uh, Jeff Wayne, remastered by Gary Langan, who's a sort of a bit of an ambassador for the uh, for the speakers. And you heard the detail, you heard everything you would expect to hear. Uh, it, it, they are incredible. They're incredible. Um, if you if I encourage anybody to hearing this, if you've not heard of Flair, they're doing something that nobody's really done in this part of the the. Um, either the studio monitor world, the live sound world, in a long time. And when you hear what they can do, you, you really, you, it's very convincing. They have, a very, they have a very convincing proposition and everything, everything works the way it should. And um, they're, you know, they're a company to watch. Now, those, uh, the, the Zero system... Nobody's going to be buying one anytime soon. No, you, when um, you buy no, it, somebody no comes and installs it for you, which immediately. How much does it cost? Yeah. Uh, well, I know how much it costs, but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, You're not allowed to say. Is, I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> really? Is, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's a six-figure sum for a pair. Oh right. Okay. Bloody so hell. So let's. You know, it's a six-figure sum, and they're yeah. looking to sell it into studios as well as into Hi-Fi, the world of Hi-Fi, but. You've got, they make, they take, uh, I forgot, they were telling me how many days it actually takes to make all the parts to put it together. So just in terms of, you know, person hours, the manufacturing is quite substantial. I mean, it's several weeks. Right, okay. So they don't expect it to be a mass product. And, uh, you know, you're not going to have one in your home unless you're, as, you're richer than God. But um, if you get an opportunity to hear the system, if you get oh, an opportunity to hear anything by flair, it's, it's, it's well worth, worth checking it. out because it, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Robbie, um, I'm guessing you're not probably going to consider buying a pair of these, but uh, do, are there, are there, I mean, because, you know, there used to be these kind of big names in the main studio, the, the studio bigs world, you know, your Tannoys, your Euros, your uh, uh, ATCs, all of those kind of people that used to make these massively expensive, very impressive looking kind of speaker systems that would be, you know, de facto for well they weren't necessarily reference quality some of them <laughs> they did sound a bit painful I it was to impress press a and r meant basically yeah. but i mean I, I mean i've used i i think you 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 become your monitor speakers are probably the one thing that doesn't change well i mean i've i've used dyn audio airs since they came out and i've got a 5-1 system of airs and now this with my portable system, I've got a small pair of the compact BM five A's because they have the most the most kind of uh, I, I feel most at home with them in terms of their sonic footprint. And I think and I and I can't ever envisage changing my monitors because 
because they kind of feel like an extension of my ears. Right. And, uh, you know, so, but I'm always in, interested. I mean, I'm always seduced by people who've got those barefoots, and I think, wow, you know, they, they sound great or whatever. But I think monitors, once you find some that really work for you, you should just you should just really kind of you know stick with them and go with them, but I mean like 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 Dave's saying, I mean at that kind of money there aren't there aren't that many studios big enough to put those kind of studios in anyway. You know it's not a mass market item, but I mean it's good that people are still pushing the boundaries, and I can certainly see probably for the crazy hi-fi market of Japan and China and all those kind of places that there'll be people who are you know who aren't musicians who are quite happy to spend that money on that. Yeah. So, well, I I know it's uh, the chat room are complaining that this is not standard Sonic Talk fair, but uh, it, it's interesting to know what the cutting edge of this kind of stuff is. I did want to bring in one last topic just uh, because uh, this was the other thing that came out of Nobcon. Uh, I don't know, Dave. Have you got time? It's uh, uh, well, I haven't actually. Oh, uh, have you not? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, then we'll, 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 we'll say our goodbyes and I can talk with Robbie okay. about it then, if that's the case. Yeah, because <laughs> I'd I just be sitting here going, yeah. Okay. Anyway, all right, but thank you very much. So you're going to go and try and break out of the building and uh, see if you can get home. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, thank yeah, you, you so right, much yeah. for joining us. It's been great phone, to have uh, you phone, on. The air, the air rescue service. I'm yeah, sure. that's right. You get the Coast Guard in. And, uh, of course, uh, if you want to see what Dave does uh, for his day job... Um, Please do go and oh, check you out. You don't want to see that. Uh, Pro Sound News Europe, uh, where uh, you're, Europe, yeah, you're you're uh, you're you're editor, aren't you? Isn't that your job? I am. Yeah. He's the editor well, of Pro Sound News Europe. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for joining us, Dave. It's been a pleasure to have you on. You. We'll we'll see you again sometime soon, I'm sure. Thank you thank very you. much. See you later. Right, Robbie. Uh, th- this this is a, a more synthy topic. Obviously, we've got yeah. the uh, now. This can you guess what this is? This is a uh, this is the news of the um, the new uh, Moog Mother Thirty Two, and this is a sketch that someone on the Gear Sluts uh, um, forum posted because they saw it. There were no p- photos or anything allowed. This was posted. The link was posted by Pop in the chat room. Thanks, Pop, uh, which kind of gives you a rough idea. Now, the, the new Mother Thirty Two uh, appears to be it's like a, a self contained synth voice that will fit in your Iraq. It's got a thirty two step sequencer. I think it's a single oscillator voice. I'm guessing it's probably along the lines of the Verkstat. I mean, and this is an assumption. Again, I know nothing more than what I found on Synthtopia, who was also there. I think the actual specs, if I've got them here, uh, what does it say? It says, uh, all-in-one Moog voice, VCO noise, multi-mode filter, VCF envelope, VCA and LFO in Eurorack with 32 patch points and a 32-stage step sequencer. Uh, this could be kind of an interesting thing. I mean, you know, the, the chat room want to hear what we've got to say on a bit. I mean, we literally don't know anything more. Do you know anything, or you know, is that? There... No, I mean, it was so. But I mean, it was like it was only a matter of time, wasn't it? That they would kind of because it's 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 a it's a synth, isn't it? It's like a standalone synth, but it will be kind of euro rackable. Is that right? I think that's the case. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it was only a matter of time. I've seen people like hot rodding work stats to be in a euro rack and stuff. I think. Um, yeah, I think it's going to do very well because, you know, people can't help but be seduced by the Moog name and the Moog sound. And if it's got all those characters, why not have why not have the convenience of some of that in Eurorack format without going for some crazy big, you know, you know, the five, you know, those kind of big, big format patch system. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a few other points in here, which are 32 stage set, which you can 64 sequences can be saved. You can, in addition to the single case move, will be will have racks that stack two or three mother 32s uh, in one go. It's going to be available in early October, so quite soon, priced at 599 US. So I guess in the UK we'll probably see that for maybe 400 quid, something like that. I'm not sure. Um, have you got any Moog kind of sound stuff yeah. in your? When I mean, you've got some of the uh, have you got any of the modules like the filters and things like that that you know that various the only, the only thing I've got in the studio is I've got the Mini Moog Voyager rack mount. Right. Um and mo as I say, most of my Euro rack stuff is make nose, make noise, harvestman and mutable instrument stuff and you know, granular filters and by qubit and things like that. So it's mostly kind of sound design as opposed to trying to recreate analogue synths in, in Euro rack format. Um, but I mean, I do I do dip into the mood quite often, you know, because it does have it does have that sound, as we know, that other things don't have. Um, so I think, you know, I think this is going to do very well. I mean, I, yeah, at that kind of price point, I think that's pretty reasonable for something so capable, particularly, like I say, it, there's something really com- appealing, isn't there? There's like the the mutable instruments have that all in one module, as do um Who's the other company? You do the Atlantis. I've got some of those. Oh yes, uh, Intelligel. Intelligel. They've got their all-in-one unit. And there's even if you've got like a Eurorack system, there's something quite enticing about having so much. A single, know, a single voice. Yeah. The thing about a single yeah. voice is it means uh, for me, you know, the first thing I bought in our modular system was uh, a dope for A one one five, which is a single voice. I don't know if you can still get that. And it's got a couple of oscillators, filters, envelopes, and it just means that you've got those bits in one thing, so you don't need. You can use the envelope on, you know, you can say the control output, the envelope. And those are the sort of things that, so it becomes almost like a super utility model module because it gives you that extra functionality. And I guess with having a sequencer in there and having it recallable as well is is going to be quite pleasing for many people because sequences in Eurorack format are, by their nature and form factor, quite fiddly to use and the more complex they become the more menus and the more modes there are the, the the less kind of appealing they become for composition they're perhaps better for playback of stuff you've already done that you can then have you know for, for live performance and things so that 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 might well be an interesting bridge between the two worlds yeah i mean i've just got the I, the only sequencer i've got in your rack is the metropolis the um which is which i find great because it's it, it's it's got the right balance of kind of hands-on stuff and not too much menu diving. But you're right, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this I think this is going to do very well for them. And it, you know, I, I don't think some people are a bit skeptical, aren't they, of all this the newer stuff from Moog, like the Workstat, and you know, and, and developments into this because they see it as Moog kind of just cashing in on, you know, the trends and stuff. But as long as the quality stays up and the sound stays there, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why. They shouldn't stake their claims part of this part of this market as well. Exactly. I mean, they're responsible in part for the you know the, the history of their products is, is exactly. responsible for you know why we're here anyway. And I think yeah. um, it'd be interesting to know what the filter is. I mean, it says a multi-mode filter. I mean, if it's the same as the Sub Thirty Seven, for instance, that would be very impressive because the Sub Thirty Seven filter is really nice and all the different drive colours that you can get into it. I yeah. mean, we will see. I mean, I guess we've only got to wait, you know, another couple of weeks uh, before we start uh, seeing what this actually will be. And I don't know whether you know our readers are, our viewers are likely to kind of be really um, up for for this kind of thing because I mean, you know, it, it's funny, you know. It, 
obviously we try and reflect the market you know and what what's happening and at the moment analog and eurac is really big so we focus on it some people kind of get a bit sick of it perhaps you know because they're not in modular world and if you're not there it's sort of meaningless you maybe have already made that choice not to get involved because it's just it is too complex but the thing about something like this is uh, starting with a single voice is actually a really good place to start because you could just fill your racks as uh, as i'm sure you have done yourself robbie and uh, have you managed to uh, hold off you said you weren't buying anything else no, I, I w- I've, I've got a completed system now that i don't have any desire the only thing i've just got is i've bought a um a little uh mutable instruments midi cv pal so i can get two two channels of midi cv and gate through by usb you know like a little four hp unit which I've got to make up myself, which is a first. I've never done Whoa, that. Whoa, so you're going to be soldering. You're going to have burnt fingers. Yeah, I've soldered, but I've never actually had to make anything up meaningful apart from solder up a loom or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah I, me- I hope I don't. I remember those days. You remember the days when your fingers just hurt all the time because they've been burnt and you've been had little bits of ends of wires poked into them and all of that. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. Roll on wireless technology in many ways, but uh, we have talked about that in the past. Anyway, I think that feels like a good place to stop. I want to say thanks very much to everybody. Thanks to uh, Dave Robinson, who is not there anymore, but there's his his machine. And also, Robbie, thanks for joining us too. And um, say thanks to your client for giving you the space to join us. And uh, I did actually, you did, I found the picture. So this is your uh, setup here that's looking very yeah. oh you've got that I, i'm really hankering after that, that monitor suit. is amazing that's the latest lg wide 34 inch and it's fantastic it's only cost me 500 quid it's got thunderbolt 2 on it and it's got a resolution of oh it's crazy big resolution it's anything timeline based it's brilliant so you've got two ipads there are they both using logic control no, no those 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 oh, no. two screens below the, uh, the main screen are those tiny flat um, mini display for HDMI high resolution screens I found. Oh, so they're okay. They're 12 inch screens that look like the screen of a laptop without the laptop. And gotcha. they weigh like 500 grams. Yeah. So that looks yeah. like a very compact setup there. I can fit all that in a few bags. And the, the other big speakers are a Simon's Adams A8Xs, which we've just got there just to kind of. I guess when the A and R man comes over from the states, we can play it nice and loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to decorate them? See if you can get some blinky lights going on it. Yeah, maybe put a sort of an air cannon in there that blows air across the room to to simulate yeah. the bass. Oh, that's actually not a bad idea. You know those those things that they have in kids store where you just pull and it goes twang and it fires this vortex of air. They should you should have that on a on a on a sub so it just kind of fires <laughs> fires bass and so the trousers flap. That's not. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can cop patent and copyright that idea by the end of the show. I, 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 I suspect not. Uh, it looks lovely. So, I mean, it's a nice place to... And you, you've actually got a window, a tiny little window, like a dove. It's basically the halt upstairs of a converted barn. So, I don't know if you can see, but I can go... <laughs> oh, right. Mass- All the way over what? there. Wow, that is so big. Set up a whole band up here. Wow, that looks yeah. great. So how, yeah. how long are you working on this project for then, uh, Robbie? Uh, till, um, till middle of January. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so are, you, are you getting home or are you uh, able to... Yeah, I'm here, I'm here Monday to Friday and then I go, go back for the weekend. So 
That's the classic yeah, family engineer producer kind of uh, routine. So, so this is the first time I've ever done this because I've mostly always um, worked from from home. Uh, but because because of now having the the trash can Mac Pro, I never liked the idea of a portable studio where you had to use a laptop and you couldn't use you know you you were limited to how many virtual instruments and you couldn't really do a full production. You could do like a skeleton and then take it back to your main studio. But I mean, the beauty of this setup is I've got all my libraries here on Thunderbolt drives. I've got all my plugins. I can basically do a whole production down to the mix and everything here. And I can just take it back to my main studio just to reference the mixes and check them. So it's the first time I've literally had my whole studio available in a portable setup. So I kind of, it's kind of revolutionized the idea of working away from home really. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, Robbie, thank you very much for sharing that with us and thank you for joining us. Uh, I just want to quickly remind you, if you're uh, uh, so inclined, you can win. Of course, our sponsors, Isotope, have been uh, uh, very generous and offered uh, an, a copy of Break Tweaker. All you have to do is tweet out the hashtag microedits as one word and Break Tweaker uh, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. If you're listening to the audio, if you're watching, you can see that's what's highlighted there. And with the spare characters, put something else in there that uh, that that we can read because uh, we do like to have that anyway i think that's pretty much it for this week i just want to say thank you to everybody for listening thanks to dave robinson and robbie thank you very much and i hope the rest of your week is uh, fruitful and um creatively fulfilling and all of those things thank you that's it for this time uh we oh no that's me that's it for this time we'll see you next time thank you very much see you later <laughs>